You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Soupcast, coming to you from Archaeosoup Towers. By popular demand, we're taking selected videos from the Archaeosoup back catalogue and bringing them to you as convenient podcasts. As the name implies, with Archaeosoup you get a bit of everything thrown into the pot. Archaeology, discussion, humour and debate. You can find out more at archaeosoup.com. So sit back, relax and enjoy our hearty helping of Archaeosoup. Hello and welcome back to Watching Brief for the week of the 15th of November 2021. I am joined as ever by my, well apparently uh, benefiting from a soon-to-be greatly upgraded rail network in the south of England, uh, Mr Andy Brockman. Uh, Good morning Andy. Good morning. Actually, we're within a couple of miles of the uh, the, the new uh, East Thames uh, Tunnel Crossing, which is uh, being built, and uh, nobody can think why. Why increase road capacity at a time when you're trying to discourage people from using the roads? But anyway, that's another story. It's almost as though there's no joined-up thinking about our infrastructure. Uh, and actually, this may be, in all seriousness, this may be a story that we that we talk about in the, in the next month or so, uh, because yeah. uh, the... HS2 high-speed rail link has, uh, that was going to connect different parts of the country has been grossly uh, reduced, or will be certainly grossly reduced in announcements today from government, and that will have an impact on uh, commercial archaeology in Britain. Um, but regardless of that, uh, and, that, and that, that unfolding news story, our ongoing watching brief, our mission continues to discuss the archaeological news of the week and bring it here to you guys to discuss and augment below with your conversation and commentary. And uh, this week we have uh, an opening gambit about the Parthenon marbles, or the Elgin marbles, so-called. Uh, and then we have a follow-up, which was actually inspired by a tweet, but leads quite nicely into a realm that we'll probably be touching on in more detail, and very specifically next week. Uh, so strap in, and uh, and we'll we shall begin. Um, so. Number one uh, for the week. Uh, our first story. We'll, our first. We'll start, we'll, we'll start with the. We'll start with the non-controversial one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, starting with the one that's not remotely controversial. Um, this is a headline from the Guardian to to kick us off. Uh, Return of the Parthenon marbles is up to the British Museum, says number ten. Spokesperson's comments before Boris Johnson uh, is set was set to meet the Greek Prime Minister appear to signal a softening of position uh, when it comes to uh, relinquishing potentially the marbles back to to Athens. Uh, returning the Parthenon marbles to Greece is a matter for the British Museum. Downing Street has said, and apparently reserve uh, this is reversing a long-standing UK government position to the idea uh, reiterated by Boris Johnson as recently as March. So does that mean? Can that... I just point out? <laughs> Go I was going to say, can I just point out here? Far be it for me to suggest that Downing Street is being a bit disingenuous here, <laughs> okay. uh, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> In what way? Go on. No, I mean, well, look. Uh, new viewer, start here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the you might you might you might have heard of the Parthenon marbles and the British Museum. You might have heard about that. But anyway, go on. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 absolutely. The, the, the um, in, in a, a deal that would would have been envied by 
one, you know, Dr. Jones of that, of that, of that famous museum, uh, Lord Elgin, uh, the British ambassador to the uh, sublime port of the, of the Ottoman Empire, um, did a deal in Athens in the early 19th century to recover the, some, some of the Parthenon frieze. Yeah. And um, the deal was done. The material was exported to the UK. Um, faced with bankruptcy, apparently, Lord Elgin attempted to sell it to the new, relatively then new British Museum. Um, the deal was vetted to see that he did actually have uh, legal ownership and title, and mm-hmm. um, it, uh, it satisfied the lawyers of the time. And the Parthenon marbles were absorbed into the British Museum's collection. Fast and, forward to well, the and, it's, and it should be said before we fast forward. It should be said that that supposedly Elgin observed the poor state of the marbles. He was struck by how yes. uh, the poor state of the of the, of the, the Parthenon monument at the time it was being used as army barracks, and supposedly yes. um, soldiers from from the Ottoman Empire were using the frieze as target practice. So they were taking pot shots at the marbles. So. Apparently, this was this was part of his his reason. He had gone there to observe and to draw them, and he decided to to yeah. to, to try and purchase them. So, so I just thought I'd just mention that. So, it's it, 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 it's a circumstance. Yeah, this is yeah, and actually, you're correct. You're correct, brother. It's it's one of those circumstances where you know, we're dealing with uh, a lot of contentious history, but there are yeah. broad agreements on 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 the um, on the actual origins of the of, of, of the purchase and, and i think we have to bear in mind as well that uh, elgin is operating within that classical tradition of the grand tour uh, classical civilization is yeah. the precursor to western civilization and mm. so on so yeah the, 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 this is a, 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 we, we mustn't discount a, a genuinely idealistic motive for wanting to preserve them mm-hmm. on his on his, on his part mm-hmm. um it's the fact that he wanted to preserve them in london not in athens that is is the yeah. contentious issue yeah um, but, but sorry but also I don't, so I, I can't so i can't believe i'm making so many defenses here of his actions but also it should be <laughs> it should be borne in mind as well at the time correctly or incorrectly uh he he had good reason to think that london was the inheritor of Western civilization, the British the British Empire was was in ascendancy, and and they very much saw themselves as custodians of the legacy of, of the classical world. So, again, the, the, the little caveats, but let's fast forward now. Okay, go, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so we'll fast forward to the uh, to, to the late twentieth century and um, the Greek government. And remember, the, the state of Greece didn't exist at the time that Elgin. No made his deal with the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the um, most famously, actually, the actor and then culture minister, Melina Mercuri, um, began to campaign to have the marbles returned to Athens. The Greeks have built a fabulous uh, museum at the, um, uh, at the foot of the Acropolis to house um, what, remains of the, what remained of the Parthenon friezes after Elkin had taken uh, the uh, material that uh, formed part of the sculpture mm-hmm. display. Um, and it's been an ongoing uh, cultural touchstone, really, between the British government, the Greek government, and the museum and archaeology community uh, for the last 40 years or so. Yeah. Um, 
And the latest uh, iteration of the argument uh, has come because Boris Johnson, British Prime Minister, uh, famously styles himself as a classicist, studied classics at Oxford, mm-hmm. um, often likes to quote himself. Uh, he, one of his favourite historical characters is Pericles, who of course was instrumental in creating the Acropolis as we know it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he was due to meet the Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis this week. And ahead of the talks, um, Mr Mitsotakis uh, made it clear that he was going to raise the issue of the Parthenon marbles being returned to Greece. Um, the other piece of background that uh, our viewer needs to be aware of is, as we mentioned before, when we've covered this on Watching Brief, that um, the British Museum collection is protected by law. The trustees can't deaccession material uh, without basically a, a change in the law unless it's a duplicate or very, various other strict criteria are in place. Yeah. Um, and that's really why I'm saying Downing Street saying it's an issue for the trustees is being dis- they're being disingenuous. Um, as things stand at the moment, if the um, if the, if the board of trustees of the British Museum wanted to return the Parthenon marbles to Athens, they could only do so in terms of relinquishing ownership if the law was changed, and that requires an initiative from government. Yes. Now. There are other ways it could be accomplished, like, for example, they could choose possibly to loan material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that sense, they do have more agency, perhaps, than, um, than, than might have been thought. And well, they there do, are but, hints but, here but, but that... presumably in accepting a loan, the recipient is also accepting the ownership of the person who is loaning. Precisely. That's, or, preci- or the body who that's loaning. precisely the problem. Yeah, yeah. That's precisely the problem. Yeah. Now, it would appear... So, well, that, from, that in um, addition to the fact that you appear to have a nuclear reactor outside your window at the moment. Now, actually, it's my halo, and you're lucky you're not close enough you can smell my odour of sanctity as well. <laughs> um, Blinded <laughs> by your holiness and your, your enlightenment. I'm going, to be ca- I'm going to be carried off in a fiery chariot in a moment. Yep, yep. Uh, a- 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 ancient aliens. Um, Sweet no, the- <laughs> Sweet. Hang on. <laughs> this is a very look. This is a very serious subject. It is. It is. Um, very serious. Yeah. Okay. Serious face. No. The the the, the point is that um, there were hints that there might be, for example, some sort of quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's been suggested, and in fact, it's caused some problems apparently in the in the Greek media. Mm. Uh, that, for example, the British Museum might be loaned in exchange for sending back the Parthenon marbles, might be loaned, for example, material that's never previously left Greece, like, mm. for example, the so-called Golden Mask of Agamemnon that was found by Schliemann at Mycenae. Mm. Um, right. So, yeah, the, um, because, again, one, one of the criticisms is, uh, uh, of the potential return has been, well, it, w- you know, it would leave a, a huge hole, well, a very large room, Mm. empty room in in the in the british museum and how how, how would they fill it um and then there are other things as well like the precedent that's being set um for um you know is every single item a contested item people argue that actually the purchase at the time was perfectly legal so under under international law um it's it you know the, the greeks can call on goodwill but they can't they don't have a 
you know, a, a legal standing in terms of trying to get this material back in, back to Athens. Mm. Um, but it, it's interesting, though, that, that, that Johnson moved to to shift the focus of this conversation, presumably away from a face-to-face uh, dismissal of the notion of a return. Uh, uh, the Greek Prime Minister uh, at a, uh, a gathering at the Science Museum within an hour of meeting Boris Johnson said, my intention is to continue working hard until there, the uh, part of the marble's final return to the Acropolis Museum is complete. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, Greek officials downplayed Johnson's insistence that the issue was a matter for the British Museum to resolve, calling his stance utterly predictable. Yeah. Is that essentially saying he was passing the buck, being slightly... Uh, I don't know, maybe a bit of a coward in that sense. Um, the, uh, the, the, the current Prime Minister of Greece is the first to have formally raised um, the Parthenon Marbles at, actually at Downing Street uh, and e- echoing um, uh, his conviction uh, that the... That, that the campaign should now prioritise UK citizens. Um, he actually made an appearance on Good Morning Britain, um, one of the one of the UK's main morning TV shows, uh, to which actually seemingly there was a very positive response. Um, he he's now basically shifting towards the notion that uh, to quote, it will be the British public opinion that decisively tips the scales in the favour of uh, uh, of uh, of the just Greek uh, demand. And um, oh, actually, so that was a member of the of the Greek delegation that said that. And, and is, is that is that really where we're moving towards? Because we've we've also seen in recent months uh, uh, and years a growing international consensus and and, and acts of reparation and um, restoration of, for example, the be- aspects of the Benin Bronzes, um, various museums here in the UK, museums in Europe, uh, museums in America. Are, are sort of starting to promise to return what they have, growing seemingly public opinion and pressure against uh, institutions like the British Museum on that front. Uh, is this is he on to a winner, um, uh, the Greek Prime Minister? Look, uh, Mr. Takis himself said that um, this is a quote: uh, "Museums around the world are increasingly working to share, return, reunite, or lend exhibits on an unprecedented scale." And he's mm-hmm. absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. And we've even seen in the commercial world, we've seen sales, uh, for example, of uh, the of, of, of material, cultural material belonging to native peoples, which was allegedly uh, stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen sales stopped in, in a number of. Uh, auction houses in the past few years so uh, this is a this is an argument where the goalposts have moved and i think many would say people many people would say quite rightly have moved Mm. Uh, people are examining the ethics of how museum collections were built up over the years Mm. and whether it is appropriate to display let alone retain uh certain material Mm -hmm. uh as I say, particularly, the, the compli- say, particularly when they could be framed in some cases as the spoils of war, for example. Yes, which yeah. these aren't. It has no, to be said. The, no, the, no, the, no. the, the Parthenon marbles are not the spoils of war. No, they're, but they're, 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 they're the Benin bronzes. The, 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 the Benin bronzes are, yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. No. Um, but the, 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 the situation, as I say, really is a legal one and a matter of will. 
Boris Johnson not wanting to make a decision on this. Well, he, 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 you know, he, as the Guardian points out in its coverage, um, mm. when he was uh, involved in the Oxford Union in the 1980s, uh, Melina Mercuri, who I mentioned earlier, the Greek culture minister, was invited to speak about this subject and actually won a vote at the Oxford Union mm. among you know the, the now many of whom are the great and the good of, uh, of, of British government, British culture. Mm. Um, that the, the marble should be returned. So yeah. um, I suspect in the long term, some kind of arrangement will be made. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I, I, I may be completely wrong in this, but um, I, I, there, there are the legal hurdles. Mm. Um, could, could, now, the, could, the other could, thing, what, the other thing that we no. need to fact, well, just quickly, the other yeah. thing we need to factor into this is that the Board of Trustees of the British Museum have a new chair. Well, um, I, was, I was just about to ask, could it be that Johnson sees the new chair as a safe pair of hands? The new chair, for people who, again, missed our coverage of it at the time, um, mm. is the former Chancellor of the Exchequer and senior Conservative politician, mm. uh, George Osborne. Mm. Um, and so there you have a politician and, and, and someone whose reputation was partly built on political strategy and being able to play the political game. And bisecting the heritage sector in this country, but yeah, we'll, we'll that that's another word. story. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, look, I, the, people are placed on the board of the British Museum uh, because they have a certain amount of expertise in various areas, not just classical archaeology. Mm. I mean, another member of the board is uh, is, uh, is Mary Beard, mm. um, the famous classicist. Um, so, you know, look, who knows. The board operates within the current legal constraints, but it is perfectly within its rights to talk to its counterparts, say at the path in the museum in Athens, mm -hmm. and come up with a, a, an arrangement, a mutually agreeable arrangement, which it can then put to government. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's that's that's what's going on here. What they're trying to do, uh, what Johnson was trying to do, yes, he was trying to. It, it, uh, uh, again, the political context, it, it, he's had a difficult couple of weeks. And, um, oh, but he's doing his best. <laughs> Sorry. He's doing his best to avoid the issue. No, um, it, 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 so, so you know, uh, okay, it's an it, it's a niche issue for many people. But some some bad headlines about you know holding on to stolen artwork um, wouldn't have been, you know, a, 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 and, and the Greeks protesting about it wouldn't have been uh, a, a a good look uh, this week. On top of everything else, no. so what he's done. Is, is as you were talk, talking about, um, in a set, well, one colleague on, um, on 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 Twitter when I tweeted this out said, uh, "Oh, Johnson's passing the buck." Then, mm. uh, and to a certain extent, that's true. And as mm. I say, it is disingenuous to say that it's an issue for the trustees because there is that legal constraint which can only be fixed by the government. Mm. But, um, well, however, I though, what one imagines if the trustees come to a a, a fairly you know. A, a broad consensus, if not a unanimous mm. decision, that would that would put pressure on on the you know, on the institutions to find legal ways forward. So I suppose, yeah, actually, what Johnson's that has done there, possibly by trying to wriggle out of direct conversation and responsibility, he's actually opened up a, a pathway forward. Uh, and as you say, it's likely, probably, therefore, that something will happen, presumably, presumably. That that that's right. Look, as I say, um. Compared to any other time, certainly in my adult life, and I've been aware of this particular issue, um, there, there is more sympathy for the concepts of 
restitution, reparation, sharing of, of, of material internationally and so on. Mm. So, uh, but, but, and, and, certain, and that's certainly the case in the museum and archaeology world. Mm. I would imagine that if you took a poll among uh, museum and archaeology people, there will probably be a majority, certainly for a loan back, if not a full restoration. Mm. So, um, in, in, in which case, uh, you know, in a set, this, this, this is accepting that the, the, the goal, as I said at the beginning of this, this conversation, the goalposts have moved, the ball is closer to the net. And, uh, the, the, the Greeks have moved the ball closer to the net. They, uh, I, I'm, I'm remembering, I think it was the 2002 Euros, where uh, the... the um, uh, anyway, famously in, 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 in the early noughties, the uh, the Greeks won the uh, out of nowhere the European the European Championship out of nowhere mm. Mm. Um, one nil after a rather dull game mm. um, if I remember correctly. But it, but it was a huge it was a huge moment in mm. uh, a huge national moment. And I, I, I think uh, to, to take the football in metaphor, yeah, that's where we are now. They've moved the ball the, the, the move the ball closer to the to the to the British Museum goal, and yeah. um, it might get netted sooner rather than later. Okay, and, and just I suppose one final thing I, I would say about this is that I imagine that uh, that something happening would be good all round, if nothing else, because at the moment, whenever one brings up the British Museum in other capacities, for example, on the Archaeosuit Facebook page and Twitter, etc., the mm. first thing you get is a is a torrent of comments saying well give stuff back give the stuff back you thieves you british thieves this kind of thing yeah. uh, if we if we can try and put that somehow to bed and if that means finally returning the, the parthenon marbles uh hopefully we can all start to move on with the with these issues and, and especially move into a different way of doing museum as it were um and uh, and move away from some of these these knotty issues um with with yeah. with learning, you know, and with with uh, with genuine positive intent. Absolutely. And before I get I get flamed by our, our, our football fan viewer, uh, I just point out that that UEFA Euro Championship win was in two thousand and four, not two thousand. Oh, thank goodness! I'm so I'm so gl I'm so glad we cleared that up. I <laughs> know, <laughs> but 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 but, but. And, this, and this is a serious point to end on. A very serious point to end on. Um, at the beginning of that championship, you could have got one hundred and fifty to one uh, on Greece winning. So if you could get those sorts of odds on the return of the Parthenon marbles, I'd put a quid on it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So Andy has rejigged things in his office and uh, we, we're no longer hopefully going to be quite so blinded by his awesomeness. I have to correct you there. It was actually the, the mothership and I've instructed it to return to Sirius. <laughs> well, you say that, but I keep on now getting the sun at my window. So maybe maybe you've sent, sent the mothership here to blind me. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, uh, our second story of the week was inspired by a tweet that came to my attention uh, uh, from a... Um, uh, a US-based account, uh, Travis on Twitter, uh, aka the le at leftist dad jokes, asked a question that seemed seemingly resonated across the world. Uh, it was the, the tweet heard around the world. Uh, he asked quite a simple question: Why is the pay in contract archaeology so bad? How the American Cultural Resource Association (ACRA) and the US Forest Service suppressed. 
uh, wage increases for archaeological technicians in the 1990s. Um, the current uh, the cultural resource management CRM industry was locked in a debate on whether archaeological fieldwork was skilled or unskilled labour. And this, I mean, this is absolutely something that we've been talking about in this country in recent months and years, uh, not least with regards to immigration policy and, and the ability for archaeologists to be classed as skilled labour and therefore able to get into the country to do uh, work that they may in fact be very much required to do. Um, but it, uh, it, for a relatively small Twitter account, just over 200 followers, uh, Travis's tweet was garnering a lot of traction here uh, in, in the US, in Canada and, and other places. That's right. I mean, we won't go into the whole uh, whole thread now. It's 32, no. uh, uh, 32 tweets long. Mm. Um, it's, but it's a detailed resume of how, in a sense, archaeology, uh, or at least the organising bodies in archaeology, mm. um, and com the companies and their representative bodies, arguably, um, conspired is too strong a word, but certainly cooperated with the uh, funders of archaeology, the commercial funders of archaeology uh, in government and in, uh, in industry to suppress wages and conditions for archaeological field workers, particularly those on the, um, on the, on the less well-paid grades. Mm, mm. Um, and as you say, it, it, it resonated with uh, archaeologists really across the world, Australia, Canada, mm. Europe, and Britain. Britain. In Britain, we tend to call it developer-funded archaeology rather than cultural resource management. Yes. Um, but uh, it's the same thing. It's archaeology that is done uh, alongside or ahead of uh, usually commercial developments or large government infrastructure projects. Mm, mm. Um, uh, done on the on, on the principle that uh, if you can't preserve in situ, you preserve by record. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, and on that front of of pay pay in particular, CIFA, um, the Chartered Institute for Archaeologists, uh, as recently as 2018. This isn't the most recent statement on on the, these these matters, and we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, but in 2018, they issued um, a series of of of. Uh, proclamations based on a review of paying conditions and uh, for example one of the specific recommendations from the, uh, the trade union prospect was that the board of CIFA considered it, uh, in its deliberations the living wage foundations real living wage for London so essentially raising artificially raising the the, the legal minimum wage in order to to allow people, God forbid, to be able to live on the money that they're earning. Um, but the, the board went on to say this. Um, the board recognised that the market for archaeological services continues to grow and is largely back to pre-recession levels. It only took a decade, it seems, uh, to get to there. Uh, and that parts of the UK are experiencing difficulty in recruiting sufficiently skilled archaeologists. It also acknowledged that there are significant regional variations in the market for archaeological services across the UK, as well as considerable concern and uncertainty as to the results of the Brexit vote. It considered prospects recommendations of raising the minimum wage or recommending a, a living London living wage uh, at the very least, but concluded that this would constitute a policy departure for the minimum salaries as it would require substantial increases to be phased in to archaeologists' pay packets. Based on the information above, the, the board concluded that the minimum salaries should increase from the 1st of April 2018 to... And 
Well, uh, starting at the P CIFA level, uh, that's a that's a very that's the basic pay grade that they outline, eighteen thousand six hundred pounds. But Can I, think, I think it I think it is worth pointing out here mm. though that eighteen grand is something like seven thousand pounds less than the current national average. Exactly. Yeah. Pay packet. Yeah, and this this the the, 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 the the reason why this is important though is that the, this in translation is essentially we don't want to to annoy or disappoint development and developers the people who, who are paying for it's technology. not disappoint it's annoying we don't we we don't want to frighten developers into thinking they're going to have to pay more money for us when they already don't want to pay for us anyway yeah so therefore we'll acknowledge that we've been asked to consider uh, advocating a higher minimum wage but actually we're going to leave that to individual employers rather than rather yeah. than advocating on behalf of the uh, the archaeologists who pay their subs to be members of this chartered institute for archaeologists now that's interesting in the context of of actual the, quali the, the qualifications of archaeologists on the national uh, in the national labor market um in 2019-2020 it was uh, apparently um highly statistically likely that archaeologists uh, would be fairly highly qualified. Um, One percent of archaeologists in the labour market have a postdoc qualification. So that means they've done their PhD and everything else that comes before that, and they've gone on to do another qualification. Twenty-three percent of employed archaeologists, and this will be an archaeologist who, for example, maybe I've worked with who are simply front of house at a museum, perhaps. Uh, I, I know some of these people uh, uh, in this instance. We all do. Have have a PhD. Well, no, sorry, I know we all do, but in that sense, I literally remember having conversations with people who, yeah. who were like, "I've got a PhD, and I'm, you know, and I'm working in this particular job." Goodness, forty-four um, percent have a master's, and twenty-eight percent have a BA or BSc level qualification. So we'll include links to to these stats and where we got them from below, uh, so you you can scrutinise them. But what this boils down to is, is that within the UK, ninety-six uh, percent of archaeologists have at least a BA or BSc level education, uh, 96%. This compares uh, via the Office uh, for National Statistics to only 45% of 21 to 64 year olds in the, in the same labour market having a BA or BSc uh, basic education and higher. So, so archaeologists are almost double uh, in fact, more than double uh, the rate of uh, highly qualified, therefore, I, I would argue, highly motivated, highly capable individuals. And yet we are under-renumerated for the most part. Uh, it, it seems that the, the, the national body that we should rely on to have our back on this issue is is for fear of, dis of you know, disappointing or frustrating or, or annoying developers uh, dragging their heels very much. And yet I remember... When when CIFA, who were the uh, IFA, when they were going for that that important C, that chartered status, trying to make the case that this would this would be very important for the profession, and you know it would put us on the, on the same sort of footing as lawyers and and this kind of thing. Um, does CIFA have our, have our back when it comes to paying conditions? Look, I I think we need to be careful here. We, we mustn't lay all the blame at the feet of. CIFA. No. Uh, there's another organisation called FAME, the Federation of Archaeological Managers and Employers, mm. which is also very significant in this area. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it does what it says on the tin. It represents the interests of archaeological managers, uh, the big companies like Oxford Archaeology and Museum of London Archaeology and the others, mm. Wessex and the others. 
Um, and they have a huge amount of power on this because they literally hold the purse strings. Mm. Uh, they are also the ones who, are, who put in the tenders and could, if they wanted to, increase their prices. Yeah. The thing is, um, because everything is done on competitive tender, if one company puts up its prices to pay its, its staff better, um, guess who's not going to get the gig if the others don't follow suit? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. At the same time, there are legal restrictions on, for example, operating as what's called a cartel, so mm. rigging prices across an industry. Mm. That's illegal. Yeah. So they're, 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 you know, it, it's not as it, it's not simple. No. But on the other hand, an archeo the archaeological workforce could, if it wanted to, um, take the initiative and, for example, take industrial action for higher pay. And the mechanism for doing that, I, 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 sorry, no. I, I just made this point quickly. That can be done independently of CIFA and of FAME and, and all of the other bodies that are involved. Um, that if, if, if the archaeological, if archaeological staff could speak in terms of one, but it's not a heavily unionised sector. No, um, no. The prince of the, the main union at the moment is uh, the, 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 the highest profile union of recruiting among archaeologists is Prospect. Mm. Um, but at the moment, I think they claim something like just over a thousand members, which is something like a sixth, probably, of the active archaeological workforce. Yes. Yeah. If no, that. Yeah, well, and then the, the the I mean, I should be clear. I'm not I'm not suggesting that 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 CIFA unilaterally alters the market, but rather CIFA can make could make statements as they do on what they believe should be the the the, the adequate remuneration for professionals who yes. are in this instance members of of, of, of their body. Uh, the, yeah. Their most recent statement from April 2021 raised the lowest level of pay to £20,400. So that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a modest increase over the course of two years. Uh, but it's still well below, well below the, uh, the, the national average. Now, if we compare this to uh, an electrician on a UK building site someone who is ubiquitous across the uh, across the the sector who absolutely archaeologists will be bumping into and and um, and and seeing in and around site uh, electricians day rates at the moment average around 250 pounds i've put a, a link below to uh, the website uh, how much um, electrician rates for 2021 and they range from maybe £200 up to 272 That's the difference between Angus and Aberdeen there. So we've averaged that out at around £250 a day. Uh, for, for, for an annual rate, that comes out at £65,000. £65,000. Uh, I mean, there, there is an issue here whereby if an electrician gets it wrong, people die. You know, if someone touches a live wire when they shouldn't, or if, if, if a, a circuit is, is improperly installed, it could cause a fire, it could cause a heart attack, it could, you know, there's a reason why electricians are paid well. Uh, but but the difference between 65 and two years ago, 18, and now just over £20,000 for archaeologists is stark. Uh, and uh, uh, but I, I, I suppose, I suppose going just going to the heart of this question, should we... Where should we be looking for for guidance and leadership on this? And in fact, are 
industry leaders within within the heritage sector in this instance in the UK are actually willing to make the case for archaeology being worthwhile paying for. Uh, it, it feels a little bit as though uh, archaeologists run the risk of sounding whiny when actually uh, what 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 they need is to have a fairly reasonable conversation and argument adequately supported by people who who can who can actually make waves for example in Westminster look there was a, there was a very interesting uh, debate within CIFA itself a couple of years ago mm. when the management of CIFA uh, tried to add on top of the existing three grades a fourth grade for called chartered archaeologist mm. taking out taking out the fact that they could under they, they now had they were now allowed to uh, call people chartered archaeologists un, uh, legally that uh, they got the permission to do the, the permission from government and uh, you know the, the her majesty to, to, to do that mm. um, it went to a vote and the management lost. They couldn't get the re they couldn't get the required majority to get that adopted. No. And it's really interesting if you look at the breakdown of the statistics um, that were published by um, CIFA after the extraordinary general meeting in 2019 that discussed this. Um, the if you look at the pie chart of people who voted for the proposal, mm -hmm. by far the biggest proportion voted um, because um, it would enhance. Parity with other members, uh, other other professions, mm -hmm. um, and would enhance the external perception of archaeology, uh, garnering higher respect and status. Mm. Um, and also the next, and the next highest um, uh, category of support was people who believed that it would support future developments and improvement of the status of archaeologists. Mm. Um, now, conversely, and this is the, this is the, this was the winning. Um, uh, uh, argument, if you like, mm -hmm. um, by far the most people who opposed that proposal felt that it would make archaeology look exclusive, elitist, it would be alienating, and would enhance pay disparity within the workforce. Mm. In other words, that people who achieved chartered status could fly off onto the 65 grand mm. and leaving the rest you know, the, your, your uh, jobbing digger at the at the trench face on their uh, on their starting pay of nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it again, it, it's not an easy question to answer. I think I'll, I'll finish. And again, it's a, it's a debate, and the debate really is uh, about who represents archaeologists, who puts the arguments. Do are the arguments even put? Yeah, yeah. Um, and because, well, because, so, I, I, so, because, because just, just on that, just, just my final thing on this would be just to say because often the people who 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 we rely on to make these arguments are in fairly well-paid positions. They're in the positions that are, are very high up that pay scale, and and they seemingly are vulnerable to entering a culture where they feel as though change at the bottom is simply too difficult to make. Uh, the yeah. Turning the ship around will upset the apple cart, for, for, for example, for development archaeology or for, I don't know, the perception of unity within within the sector. Um, and, and yet below that, that sort of level, there is a great deal of unity behind the simple fact that, and, and it, it's quite tragic actually, that, that within archaeology, 
it's it's almost a joke. It's almost you know people sort of say, oh well, <laughs> obviously I didn't get into this for the for the money or to, you know to, for the ability to 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 to, to have a. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, in the summer I, uh, we were we were on location, and an archaeologist said to me, um, since when have archaeologists expected to be able to have a family? This person said that to me, and they were they were not joking. They were they were in that instance they were being deadly serious. So uh, it it. it it, there's a risk that 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 people, unfortunately, are inculcated into this culture of being unfairly paid. And higher up the the spectrum, when people become increasingly comfortable, they don't want to uh, to be a loose cannon that um, uh, that 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 rocks the sh rocks the boat, as it were. Uh, anyway, that, that that's that's my piece. Uh, go ahead. I I I just like to finish really with. Um some some more figures. Uh, mm. These have been quoted by an archaeologist called Neb Saunders who's involved in uh, the things uh, like the Diggers Forum. Yes. Uh, and uh, posted recent, um, in, in June, in fact, on, on Badger, a mm -hmm. British archaeological jobs resource on the, on the, on the, um, on the forum. Uh, he did an analysis of uh, particularly the lower, pay in the lower two grades. So um, starting with the, the, the practitioner um, and he noted a couple of things and again uh, we will link to the um, to, to the piece but a couple of things struck me really quite strongly out of it um, firstly that uh, he said that quite a few employers take what he called the lazy option of basically adopting the C for minimum and saying that's our minimum yeah period yeah you know so uh, and so, and although the C for minimum is a range for the PCIFA grade, mm. they they adopt the lower end of the grade and say that's it, job done. And 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 uh, um, sorry, and so just 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 to briefly add to that as well, that that often presumably will be done without scrutiny as to the ruling of the minimum. So as we talked about in the 2018 document, when they're mm -hmm. talking about how oh yes we we've been asked well or, or it's, you know we've been asked to consider having this London minimum wage, but we're not going to. This is the number we're putting out. Presumably, if people are setting their standards based on that number, they may not look into what went into that reckoning. They may just simply adopt the number that's been put out. Um, uh, I think it's just, it's worthwhile just, just reflecting on that. Go ahead. I, I, absolutely. Now, the other interesting thing that, that Saunders figures uh, throw up is that the higher up the grades you go, mm. it would appear that the... There is a difference between unionised workforces and uh, non-unionised workforces, where the unionised workforces are paid more across all the grades, but the dip disparity at the bottom end is around about £100. Mm -hmm. Well, up at, uh, a, 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 at a higher rate, it's as much as £645 between mm -hmm. unionised and non-unionised. Mm -hmm. um, the, the suggestion there being, you know, um, if, I'm not saying this, but, um, you know, people might want to consider going out and joining a union and then negotiating collectively with their with, with their um, with their employer because it does appear that unionised archaeologists do get paid more than non-unionised archaeologists. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and uh, but uh, again, the thing but the thing that comes off the figures uh, is just the, um, the 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 disparity. There's no consistency. Hmm. Um, for example, again at. Uh, um, uh, uh, Supervisors, um, some are as low as uh, twenty-one three hundred, mm -hmm. 
Um, Which is interesting given that the, 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 the lowest possible rate as of 2021 yeah. seemingly is 20,000, uh, was it 400? Um, yeah, just over twenty thousand. So, so that that that's that's about a thousand difference between the lowest paid and a supervisor. That's right. But whoop de do the, the at the top end, somebody actually breaks the barrier for the national average and could could get as much as twenty eight four nine eight. You know, mm. so yeah, that's it. and that's like, you know that's a a huge difference. That's seven thousand pounds difference. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, doing the same job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it, it look, I think short short answer, it's a mess. And yeah. it is probably if the profession is going to remain healthy, it's a mess that's gonna have to be cleared up somehow or other. Mm-hmm. Um otherwise um you're gonna have, you know, um problems. I mean, there are already not enough archaeologists in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been made a shortage profession by the, uh, in terms of bringing archaeologists in from outside. I mean, in fact, we're a, a colleague of ours, um, uh, Rhys Booth, has just moved from Australia to begin work with an English contracting company. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's that, that's how it is. But the, you know, it, it, you've got a... It's almost a perfect storm of uh, an insecure profession in insecure in terms of the um the the, the uh, job security and paying conditions and so on um which is under resourced understaffed and you read the forums and you read the response to that twitter feed that we started with um people are all you know morale is put it saying not all that it should be no. In a in a, in a, in, a, in, in, in 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 as you said as well, and the tragedy of it is, as you said, is is that looking at the qualifications people have had, the, the reasons people go into archaeology, people do go into archaeology as a vocation. It's mm. uh, you know they and and, and you know, it is a highly qualified profession, and you know look at the success of programs like Time Team and so on. It has a a lot of public recognition, and people enjoy what we do. Mm. Um, so. So leading, you know. leading therefore, uh, you know, maybe slightly trailing what we might be talking about next week. I suppose a question, a question can, to consider here, is is the one that I keep on poking at, and that is, who, uh, who are we trusting to make these cases, and to to examine the 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 uh the health and viability for example of academic archaeology that feeds into this 96 percent qualification rate that seemingly is required to be an archaeologist in this country uh who who do we rely on can we rely on them and i suppose more broadly speaking what are what are and should be our expectations and our options Uh, i don't want to say anything else about that because i think there are some things that are still being finalized for next week's show but it's um it's going to be interesting to see the response and and hopefully by by discussing this this week we've at the very least laid out the fact that we genuinely care as we talked about in a previous watching brief not that long ago about the quality of the profession and quality that that is to say the experience of being an archaeologist now i'm not talking about necessarily exclusive um quality gatekeeping it's much more a case of what's it like to be an archaeologist and who supports us and are the people who 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 claim to 
to have uh, a, a status of high support actually doing as good a job as they as they could or should be doing. I'll stop. I'll stop there. I won't, <laughs> I won't keep on. I won't keep on talking. Is there anything, anything you want to say about next week's watching brief, Andy? Um, no, only that. Look, I, I mean, when um, when I tweeted this out the other day, mm. um, and and it did, it, it's had a lot of traction. Mm -hmm. um, but the uh, look, what I said was, archaeology is done by people who deserve to own a proper living. Except on both sides of the Atlantic, too many don't. Mm. And I think we have to ask why that is. And it's not enough just to ask why. We then have to say, what can we do about it? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> From your lips to the mothership. Um, <laughs> so as ever, Andy, thank you for your time this week. Uh, thank you guys for watching at home. Please do comment below and uh, and look forward to that uh, watching brief special that's coming next week. Uh, we hope to have some some contributors as well other, other people commenting so it should be interesting and uh until next time do take care everyone bye bye this podcast episode has been produced by the archaeology podcast network in collaboration with archaeosoup productions find out more podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com this has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.